It's time for Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Ken is a nationally syndicated automotive journalist and photographer who has been in and around the industry for over 30 years. So tune in for your fill of automotive information and entertainment with your automotive ringmaster, Ken Chester. Welcome one and all to another information-packed hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host, automotive journalist and photographer, Ken Chester. Thank you for dropping by. If you listen on a regular basis, you know I have plenty to talk about and share with you, and this hour is no exception. In a few minutes, it's all about the Los Angeles Auto Show and two notable vehicles that were introduced there. You're going to want one of each of these under your tree. That's breaking news. Later on during the second segment, it's all about the Benjamins as I talk about how your electric car may pay you in its spare time. And after that, it's a talk about Best Engine Awards. Do they really matter to you? I mean, is it something that you've got to know whether the best engine in your car is on, one, on a list? Does that even factor into your purchases? Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. We'll talk about it. And then finally, I'm going to end this hour going a bit rant-worthy. Uh, it seems that no matter how I rail against things like this, it still happens. And you're going to want to stay tuned to see what's got my blood boiling this hour. As always, you can be part of the program. Call or text me on the Roadworthy Driveline, that number, 872-222-9793. And that's anytime. That's ask a question, suggest a story idea, or share a comment. If you're of the writing persuasion, email me. That's ken at roadworthydrive.com. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. Roadworthy Drive is a team effort. As a result, we're required to have a designated adult at the controls at all time when the show is underway. And that gentleman who always seems to draw the short straw in these things is my friend and executive producer, Jack DeLeon. Hey there, Jack. Ken, let me be the first one to wish you Merry Christmas. Well, thank you, sir, and the same to you. Thank you, and I wish Sasha Merry Christmas as well. As she smiles. Happy yes. holidays. <laughs> okay, you do. That might just be a problem right there. Okay, you two behave now. We're, be we're behaving. Okay, Ken, here's what I'm going to ask you, because I'm going to start some trouble. Why should any? Why should this week be any different, Jack? Exactly. Okay. Why didn't we approach the suits for the three of us to go to the Los Angeles Auto Show? Uh, because they told me up front it wasn't in the budget. Is anything in the budget? No. That's what. I'm Remember, <laughs> this is a this is a room we can't even get new chairs. Oh. Now they can fix the floor in the elevator. Yeah. But we can't get new chairs. Well, but they had to fix the floor in the elevator. Uh, yeah, we need new chairs too. Well, I know that. You know, but anyway. Let's talk about the L.A. Auto Show. Okay. Well, first of all, the L.A. Auto Show has been around roughly for about 120 years. Well, yes. well, not quite 120, 110 years, I should say. Okay. What's the longest running car show? Oh, boy. Uh, I want to say that either Detroit or New York may be a little bit longer. I'm thinking maybe Chicago. Not Chicago. I'm sorry. Uh, one of the other three. See, they're what I consider the big four. Okay. That would be the big four are. That would be Detroit. Right. Chicago in February. Correct. Um, New York in April. Okay. And then uh, the L.A. show, which is held in December. Well, late November, early. No, December. December 1st through the 10th was this year's uh, L.A. auto show. Okay. So basically, you're looking at anywhere, depending on one of those shows, anywhere from roughly about 750,000 square feet to just over a million square feet under roof. 
Mm-hmm. L.A. comes in at about 860, depending what you're looking at. About okay. It's about 760 under roof and probably another 130,000 square feet outside. Okay. So you've got that going on. And it draws a lot of people. And up till now, a lot of your foreign makes would uh, do the L.A. auto show. Because, of course, in the West Coast, your foreign makes or your Asian makes were more popular then. So, but in recent years, the automakers, even Detroit, has uh, introduced some vehicles there at L.A. One that I want to talk about has a top speed of 212 miles an hour. Here we go again. Ludicrous speed! Oh, my. Go! That sounds like my kind of car. It, uh, yeah, well, if you have $123,995, you, too, can own a 2019, mm-hmm. not a 2018, 2019 okay. Chevrolet Corvette ZR1 convertible. Jack, I'm going to need a small loan. Uh, in uh, bright, you're talking in to bright the wrong orange. dude. In bright orange. <laughs> uh, and here's the other thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Ken keeps telling us the suits don't have the budget for us. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Why aren't you and I in these budget meetings? I don't know. I don't think that they're putting the right the monetary into the right budgeting areas because I totally agree with you. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, you know what? Uh, Talent here. That's <laughs> all you guys need to know. Um, this particular car has a horsepower, top horsepower of 755. Again, what could possibly go wrong with this? Yeah, and it's top down too. Forget the wind in your hair. How about your wig or your toupee flying off your head? Uh, I why, would have that problem. That's why they wear a hat. Yeah, I wouldn't even bet on a hat on a car like that. Well, Just, how high up is the roof compared to where you're sitting? Well, that's I'm not sorry, the, the problem. Windshield. That's not the problem. It's just at that at the speeds that car can go, even a hat wouldn't stay on with the top down. Uh, you're right. That's the whole point. Where are you going that you're actually going to be able to attain that kind of speed? Uh, highway 1, the the 5, the, the four, 405 five. at night, very late at night. <laughs> very late at night. And that's all I'm admitting to. <laughs> let's Let's just say... A certain automotive journalist a number of years ago mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. driving a certain German car top down, mm-hmm, radio mm-hmm. cranked up, of course, and in low triple digits, coming up the middle of the 405 by Camp Pendleton. That's all I'm admitting to. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. The radio was fine. We're at a work perfect, even at that speed. <laughs> it was a wonderful thing. That's all I'm admitting to. This is his story, and he's sticking to it. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, something a little more in your price class, Sasha. Oh, of course. Um, and I gotta break. I gotta break this to you gently. No. The kit. This new vehicle uh-huh. replaces the Nissan Juke. Nissan no! Juke is dead. Yes. Yes. No, but thank I... you, God. No! Yes. May I introduce the 2018 Nissan Kicks? What is? I'm gonna have to look it up. Describe it for me. It is a compact crossover aimed at the city living consumer, which seems to be the fast growing market. Toyota's got its CHR that's aimed at that. Uh, Other automakers have introduced, Honda's introduced the HRV, which is in that realm. Um, It seems that the small um, crossover market is aimed at kind of the active living urban consumer. So basically, what they're trying to do is do a small car that's an issue that's a a crossover. Actually, they're doing a crossover that resembles a small car. Yeah. It's not very appealing. It's, it's well, ugly. actually, to be blunt, yes, sir. sales are going crazy. And honestly, oh. this thing's actually being, they're planning to build this thing or sell this thing in 80 countries. I can understand. It looks uh, like everything yeah. else. Well, hold on. They currently build it 
in Mexico, Brazil, and through a joint venture in China right now. But it's going to be available here in the, in the United US. States this spring. And okay. where is it coming from? Probably Mexico. Okay. But the thing is, you know, what you're seeing is that even in the lower price vehicles, a higher level of equipment, there's mm-hmm. a lot of standard safety equipment in this vehicle. Now, I will point out that it, you can't get all-wheel drive, which means I'm like, in the north, why would I want this thing? But Why okay. is it termed a crossover then if it's... Because it's a crossover, not an SUV. And you can still buy an SUV that's not all-wheel drive. Yes, but, but you got the option. Drive? Not always. Does this thing have an option for four-wheel drive? No. Okay, so basically what I've got is I, I've You've got, got a, a front-wheel drive crossover. I've got a, I got a two-wheel drive paperweight in the snow. Not necessarily. Thank you. No, I disagree with the right tires, traction control, stability control. Really, the technical advantages have mitigated all-wheel drive. May I, may I discuss something with Sasha? Yes. Oh, my. How much snow? This much snow. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not driving no way. If it's uh, that much snow. No, if there's that much snow, I can get through in my truck. Thank you. Yeah. Well, okay, but here's You're my thing. Price not point can afford a truck. As low as that vehicle is, yep. how in the world do you think you're going to get through the snow here? You're not. Well, uh, not only. In any passenger car, same problem. Okay, but for the price point, why would I waste my money on a front-wheel drive when, and they're claiming it's a crossover, yeah. when I can get like a CRX or. CRV. CRV, but... thank you. I don't know why I keep saying X. But anyway, CRV or something like that, that will give me the They believe drive. there's a market for it. And as things are bearing out, they're right. We'll just have to see. And when I get one, we'll talk about that for sure. But yes, this thing is coming. Uh, it's standard. A lot of stuff. A long list of standard equipment, a quality interior, and a futuristic design. And they really think that people will respond to that. And I guess time will tell. So... When I return, it's all about cha-ching, how your electric car is going to pay you. And then later on uh, in the show, uh, we talk about something called Ward's 10 Best Engine Awards. To me, I say, so what? So what? You know, there's so many. So many. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> While he's doing that, folks, don't touch that child. This is Roadworthy Drive. Right together with you. Outside the snow is falling. Do you have a question, idea, or comment for Ken? You can let him know by calling 872-888-9793. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Leave Ken a voicemail message or a text. It's the most wonderful time of the year with the kids. In 20 years of auto racing, Andy Granatelli, head of the STP Corporation, has picked up a lot of hardware. And the cars he's brought to the Indy 500, like the revolutionary STP turbine cars, they've taken some hardware, too. Friction and wear for mile after pounding mile. That's why Granatelli's cars all have STP oil treatment on their side. STP is the racer's edge. It cuts the friction, cuts the wear, and it cuts the mustard. And not only in Granatelli's cars, most race drivers want STP on their side to keep running racer sharp. Help your family car, old or new, run smoother, cooler, quieter, longer. 
Have your gasoline station add STP to your oil. STP is the if you're just joining us, welcome to part two of this holiday version of Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Definitely not your father's car show. Take a few minutes and find out why. Here on Roadworthy Drive, I've been keeping you plugged in, and that pun is intended, with regard to alternative fuels and power sources like hydrogen and battery electric cars. Now, during this segment, I want to explore the possibilities of your next car, possible in electric, actually making money for you while it's parked. The advantages, income for you, and actually longer battery life for the car. Does that sound too good to be true? Yes. Check this out. Well, here's the thing. Um, this all started because I stumbled across a company called Nuve. That's N-U-V-V-E. And they are what you call a vehicle-to-grid company. They develop vehicle-to-grid solutions. And I started digging into this because they had just received uh, what they call Series A financing. They got $50 million invested by a group which includes a subsidiary of Toyota, by the way, and a private equity fund. Now, their, their whole take on things is that they're the, wor the world's first and only commercial available true vehicle-to-grid solution, enabling select electric vehicles to store and resell energy to the electric grid. I'm going to okay. let that sink in. Here's the thing. We talked about, a, a number of months ago, we talked about a University of Warwick study in which the engineers had developed, I believe, some sort of app or algorithm that would allow an electric battery to discharge into the grid for a price, and, what, and the benefits was actually improving the condition of the battery. And they had an app to figure out for that particular battery where that, where that was. In other words, how much percent of the battery that would work so that you'd always have enough battery power for what you needed to do, but any surplus could go to the grid. So it was trying to find a sweet spot. And it did. Okay. Actually. And that's the thing. Can you imagine the ability of these vehicles with the falling price, and we've reported it here over a period of time, the falling price of lithium-ion batteries and the rise of battery storage, Battery storage is actually the next best thing. Uh, the biggest problem that renewables had, solar and wind, was because of the unpredictability of when that was available. Okay. Sunshiny days versus cloudy days, windy right. days versus not. How to get it into the grid in a way that, the, that it would work for the grid. Okay, I think here's a question a lot of people will be asking. Uh -huh. How does a power company know how to reimburse me? Ah, you know, I am so glad you asked that question because I, of course, have the answer. It is called carbitrage, believe it or not. Excuse me? Yes. When the electric utility would like to buy power from the vehicle-to-grid network, it holds an auction. The car owners are able to define the parameters under which they will sell energy from their battery pack. Now, many factors are considered when setting the minimum sale price, including the cost of the secondary fuel in a plug-in hybrid uh, and battery cycle wear. When, the, when this minimum price is satisfied, it is deemed as meeting carpetrage. Basically, you can program it that says, for your vehicle, I will be willing to sell it if, when they're willing to pay this much per minute, per kilowatt, whatever. Okay. If you're willing to pay this for it, I'll sell it to you. I've okay. got this much surplus 
I'm willing to sell it to you for X, Y, or Z. So basically, that's the easy part because all of that can be automated. Okay. You set your parameters for what, you, for what you're willing to do, and it does the rest. But it's unbelievable because here's the thing. Could you imagine owning an electric vehicle that has the ability of powering your house? Now, that I wouldn't mind. But think about it. If you can power the grid, you can power your house, depending on the cycle of what you need when you need it. And didn't we talk about a couple of weeks ago about uh, the distribution of power going to maybe neighborhood to neighborhood? And that's what, and that's what this – imagine this. If you've got solar panels, maybe on folks' homes, yep. and maybe you're in the country so it's a, a rural division where you may be even able to put up like a couple of turbines, maybe not commercial grade, mm-hmm. but smaller turbines – Right. Like they used to have on farms years ago for well water. Yes. Imagine if you could generate all this renewable energy and have it available to sell or distribute through the grid in your rural neighborhood and never, ever have to or very infrequently have to buy from the grid. I have been watching TV a lot lately, and I've seen some shows coming from Australia. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about the fact that a lot of those places that are out in the outback mm-hmm. are strictly ran on solar power. Yeah. That's what Elon Musk recently did in South Australia. He provided the link between the renewable energy farm of solar and wind mm-hmm. with battery storage that could release into the grid in a dependable, predictable way. They said this is the first time in years that they were able to deliver power around the clock in a predictable, measurable, regular way. Because, again, the problem with wind and solar is it's available when it's available. You know, how do you store it when maybe the grid doesn't need it right now? But, okay, at night, during a cold snap or whatever, you need it. Now you've got a way to release it into the system. And, again, remember, we've reported here, battery, the cost of battery storage, be it in a car, be it stationary, is falling like a rock. And with all the technology that's going on right now, it's going to continue to fall. Do you realize that even when a battery gets to the end of its life in a car, you can still repurpose it for a stationary storage facility? No, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. They're looking at doing that as well. So you might be able, your car might be able to level uh, your need to buy from the grid at your house, may be able to sell it either at home, maybe you're plugged in at work, and you can sell it into the grid while it's sitting there. They say right. 95% of the time that car is around, it's sitting doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And they estimate that basically you can sell 20% of its capacity and still and improve the condition of the battery, making the battery last longer, while at the same time making money. And but, here's, here's something else for you, too, to think about. Each one of these cars typically are good for about 50 kilowatt hours. Each one of these cars to a utility for their grid is worth, wait for it, $4,000. Wow. That's today. I had, no, I had no idea. That's today. That is today. With the falling prices of battery storage, and you can help utilities defer having to uh, build new plants. Yep. You know, it helps. So, when I come back, Ward's 10 Best Engines. Should you care? In my rent-worthy moment, something you should never do. You're riding shotgun with Ken and Roadworthy Drive.
You're listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Yes, this is Roadworthy Drive, in case you were wondering. It's the next to last segment. Thank you for dropping by, and happy holidays, and Merry Christmas. I'm Ken Chester. For those of you that want or need more than your share of the road, check out our show website, roadworthydrive.com. Let me say that again. It's www.roadworthydrive.com, so it will work right. <laughs> Find audio clips of past shows, videos of our weekly behind-the-scenes antics, and more. You can also find out the times we are on YouTube Live. See us in action as we strive to produce the show in studio and enjoy the very animated conversations that don't make it into our weekly radio show. You can also find out where we are in the universe of social media. Sasha is our social media diva who labors during the week to share interesting, engaging, and timely topics of a technical nature. See how she keeps the social in our social media. Now, with the literal trillions of dollars in and around the automotive industry, makes sense for the automakers to tout every advantage they can find or even get makeup to get noticed in the minds of consumers. The advertising marketing companies that are in and around the industry are usually too willing to assist. Getting the automakers notice also improves the stature of their survey, award, or study that they're involved with. Here's another one for your consideration. Um... I'm going to ask in studio here uh, of Jack and Sasha. Have you ever heard of uh, the award called Ten Ward's 10 Best Engines? No, I've heard of Montgomery Ward. Oh, my. <laughs> Never mind, Jack. No, I have not. Okay. Um, would an engine being on a 10 best list impact your choice if you when you're shopping for a new vehicle in terms of selecting that vehicle? <sighs> I'm going to say no. I don't. Well, no, I'm asking. I mean, I'm not saying no. that there's a right or wrong answer here. No. I'm also going to say no because okay. I'm looking at gas mileage more than anything else. Okay. Well, and then how Ken and I have talked, we've talked about it right here on the show about how um, how accurate are the awards, quote unquote. Well, there's not only that too, but when it comes to engines, what I'm looking for is if I step in, do it, is it going to respond? B, can it get me out of a jam? And what's the average gas mileage going to be? That's what I look at when I'm looking at an engine for a vehicle I'm thinking of buying. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let me, let me give you the history. Um, first, uh, the magazine itself, and then I'll tell you about the survey itself. Now, Wards has been around since about 1920. Let me find it. I want to say 27, and I'm not sure that's right. I think it's 24, but I'll find it. Okay. 1924. Absolutely. It is an automotive trade magazine that's been published since 1924 and continues into modern times with a monthly print version. And they talk about engines. That's what they do. Okay, uh, Ward's Engine Vehicle it. Technology Update. Well, here's the thing. Ward's 10 Best Engines Award um, is an annual list by them of the best engines available in the U.S. market that are selected by Ward's Auto World magazine. Now, this list was started 23 years ago. For model year, it was started in 94 for model year 1995, and it has been drawn every year since then. Now, here's their requirements. 
engines must be available in regular production vehicles on sale in the United States market no later than the first quarter of the year. To be eligible, the engine must be available in a vehicle with a base price, get this now, of no more than $60,000, and this was for 2015, it's 63000 now for the 2017. We'll talk about that in a minute. During a two-month testing period, Ward's editors evaluate each engine according to a number of objective and subjective criteria in everyday driving situations. Now, this is something I need to point out. There is no instrumented testing. They don't, there's no, there's no uh, metrics that they actually apply. They don't put it on a dyno. No, they don't put it on a dyno. They don't uh, put any instruments to it to measure for noise or vibration or anything. It's all subjective and objective by their editors based on their experience. They're not, there's no um, factual data that they use to decide this. Not scientific data, no. Okay. The selection takes into account power and torque output, noise, vibration, and harshness levels, technical relevance, and basic comparative numbers. Each engine competes against all others. Now, I got curious. Excuse me. I got curious, and I'm going to – and I said to myself, and I looked, okay, of the automakers uh, over these 24 years, over these 22 years, I'm sorry, how many awards or how many engines did automakers win and who won the most? What automaker got the most awards – or recognition by Ward's magazine during this period. Okay, let me ask him, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Domestic automaker or foreign automaker? Uh, the top one. Yeah, foreign. I am going to say uh, BMW. You're right. Ding, 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 nice. Ding. What Good do job. you know? Woo! BMW with 32 awards. Who is second? Foreign or domestic? Oh, Army. no, no, no. See, I can't give it away now. because No, that would Ford give or domestic? No, I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to guess. It's I'm... either got to be Chevy or Ford. I'm saying Ford. General Motors. Really? And Ford was third. And here's the thing. After a number of years of no truck engines in the top 10. Right, right. 2017. No. F2, F-150. Yes! 2.7 liter EcoBoost six-cylinder engine made their list. Mm. But here's the thing. Yes. Jack just bought a new truck. Yep. Didn't concern. Now, I'm assuming that the 2.7 liter EcoBoost V6 is the engine in your truck. Wrong, Kimosabi. What do you got? I've got the eight-cylinder. So you've got the, that would be the 5.3? 5 5.3 5 V8. Uh, Triton V8. Yep. Why did you pick the V8? Uh, I was able to drive both. Uh-huh. And I just thought the V8 had a little more pickup. Now, the last truck that I had mm-hmm. had a V8. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I was getting what I considered fantastic gas mileage. So basically, this list didn't mean anything to you. No, not at all. Because you actually choose an engine that wasn't in the top 10 uh, over the engine that was. Correct. So again, you know, and I, I asked the listeners, you know, does an engine being in Ward's top 10 mean anything to you? We'd love to hear from you. You know, maybe it is a big deal to you. Maybe not. Here's another thing. And he, and really, the one that got me started on all this is a press release from Fiat Chrysler that says, and I quote, 3.6 liter Pentastar e-hybrid named one of Ward's 10 best engines for second year in a row. And I got to thinking, does that even matter? And here's one of the questions Ward's does ask. Does the powertrain 
sell the vehicle? In Jack's case, no. No, actually, in my case, yes, it did. No, but the one that made their list did oh, sell. Oh, no, no. You're, you're, you're right. I'm sorry. I thought you were going no, the no, other no. way with it. The one that made their list for your truck did not, not close the, the deal right. for you. No. That's the point. So there's so much of this, folks. You know, this, and, I, and I'm not begrudging wards. It's just that at some point when you get barraged with all this information, what is credible? It's nice to know it's a wonderful engine. And I would have a list of my own engines, which may or may not match with wards. But it's just one of those many things that you get bombarded with as a potential um, buyer. When I come back, we will talk about my rant. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is heard exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. This is Roadworthy Drive. Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa <laughs> Yes, as you can tell, we are having our holiday version of Roadworthy Drive. Uh, thank you for tuning in. This is the final segment. I'm Ken Chester. When I started out in the automotive business a number of years ago, the first venture that I had was an automotive purchase consulting firm. That's fancy language for the art of assisting customers through the steps of vehicle purchase. From a conversation of what their needs were to what vehicles were worthy of the con uh, consideration in the marketplace to the independent evaluation of the value of the vehicle be traded in, down to the actual negotiation and even delivery. I have made it my mission to educate consumers about the process so that they will always be in control of it with the kind of outcome that they desire. But every now and then... Hold it. The following is a rant by Ken Chester. It does not reflect the editorial <laughs> policy of Brookwoody Drive, Jack DeLeon, or Sasha Little. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, my. Wow. Wow. So much for the talent. Okay. <laughs> wow. No love up in here. Anyway, during the holiday season, where is the love? <laughs> Any case, here's the thing. Got a phone call this past week. Okay. My sister-in-law from out of state. She is in a frantic. What state is she in? Uh, I'm not going to. No. Okay. I would prefer not to do that. Northeast, northwest. Northeast. Northeast. That's okay. as far as I'm going. That's fine. Uh, she had a friend who was in trouble relatively. She owned a car, a 2012, that she had had a lot of repair work done to, right. which first is suspect. And second, the car doesn't run now. Was it like a lemon car? I mean, was that the kind of repairs? Mm, I don't know. But okay. here's the problem. I get the phone call. I said, okay, I'll talk to her. I'm not sure what I can do. She's sitting at the dealership. Oh, no. Had the car towed to the dealership. Oh, it no. does not run. She doesn't have any family. Oh. My sister-in-law's at work. She can't come get her. And and this woman is sitting in this, on the sales floor. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. Granted, the best I could do for her that day was mitigate the series of bad choices. Okay. Okay. Did she have a deal on paper before she had it towed to the dealership? No. Was it one of those? No. Tow it here, get so no, much. No, 
She just regular dealer. Picked a dealer. I don't know how she got there, but she was there. Okay. Here's my problem. Okay. One, buying a vehicle, I've said it a million times, is something you plan for. I don't blame the dealership as much as I blame the individual. Yeah. You w- Number one, let's back up before we even get to, to there. You've got a car that's five years old or newer. You're spending thousands of dollars. Something is wrong, and you should have put your foot down with the first major expense. Yep. Mm -hmm. And had it dealt with. Again, water over the bridge, water under the bridge, nothing I can do about it. Exactly. Okay. You're going to tow your vehicle to the dealer. Yep. It does not run. Now, fairness to the dealer. Dealer doesn't know what's wrong with it. Mm -hmm. Doesn't know if he's got to put in $100, $1,000. Or too much money, it's not even worth fixing. Exactly. And, oh, did I mention she owed money on it? Oh. It oh, gets worse. Okay. It does. Now, so here she is. She wants, and they're showing her gladly, a slightly used SUV, small one. Okay. Okay. She said, I don't want to go above my payment where I'm at now, and I have no money to put down. And her credit score is below 550. Ooh. Ooh. It just keeps getting worse. It gets so much better. Now, now, I told her, one, that's not going to happen because you're gonna, your car is dead. They're going to have to roll that if you're lucky. I said, they'll pay off the car, but that you're still on the wait for the whole purchase price of the car you're trying to buy. I said, if you're going to go through all of this... Forget the used one, and you don't need an SUV because the operating cost would be higher. I said, number one, the monthly payment that you're telling them to stay to, that's not happening. Two, you're going to pay a long time on this thing. And three, your interest rate's going to probably be high. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let's try that her payment. uh, And I got her out of that slightly used SUV. Mm -hmm. I said, if you're going to go through all this, get a new car. Yep. Get a brand new car. I told her what the Yep. I said, you know, see what you can get. I said, look at this trim level. Don't go for the top trim level. Take it for a drive. I said, if you're going to go through all this, particularly with what you've just been through, yep. you want protection from the from the manufacturer with their warranty. Yep. Okay? So how did it end? Almost 15% interest, almost over six years payment, <laughs> and she just stuck because I was surprised that they would even lend her the money with her credit score that bad. What what did they get her into? I assume a brand new car. Brand new car. Okay. Which... I'm not going to tell you that either. Okay. Was it foreign or domestic? Foreign. Well, foreign made. Foreign make American made. I'll okay. tell you that. So, what did we learn from all this? Over and over, over and over. I tell you, if you know that your vehicle is on its last legs, but it's still running, you need to sit down, look at your budget. And start making plans. Don't wait till the car dies and your mechanic says it will cost more to fix it than it will replace it. Number one. Number two, get an idea of your budget. If you know what you're walking into, even if it's a year away, don't wait until the last minute. Take that year. You know what you're going to get back in your tax return. Maybe that's your down payment. You know what you can afford. Be realistic. Go while the dealerships are closed. That's like after church on a Sunday or a Sunday afternoon or an evening. That way you can look around and kind of get your head in wrapped around yep. something that you might like to drive. Take notes. When you go to the dealer, test drive the vehicles and be honest with them. Tell them, I'm not prepared to, to buy today. Right. I'm just trying to figure out what it is I even want. Yep. 
these things are important, people. They really are because every single day people get stuck. That's not the dealer's fault. No. The dealer is just like any other business person. They want to make money. That's the business they're in, to maximize the money they make. Mm -hmm. If you are an unprepared consumer, don't put that on the dealer. Yep. Because you didn't do your homework. And honestly, an automobile is the second largest purchase most people are going to make after buying a home or financing college. Why don't we do better at planning? Everybody thinks they know something about cars until they get there. Then they realize they're not prepared. Well, and how much, I'm going to try to say this gently, how much of this was the problem that um, she was female? I don't know. Because here's the thing. And there's, and there's potential problems where we've discussed that, it that here before. That could be. But yeah. the problem is she wasn't prepared. She did a lot of things wrong. Yeah. You know, which means, you know, they were going to bury her. Yes. And all I could do was mitigate it, get her into a new car, try to not get it in expenses. But, you know, you just can't win. Well, as usual, that's all the time we have. Enough said with the rant. On behalf of Jack, Sasha, and myself, thanks for tuning in. You have been listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Merry Christmas. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.